Good evening, everybody. Happy Sunday. Here we are, Thanksgiving week. And I think it's going to be just me tonight. Cody is just getting back from a mastermind out of Utah. And I think he's playing a little bit of catch up. So, Jamari, my guy, good to see you, brother. Guys, you want to see tonight, we are going to announce a pretty cool little giveaway. Uh, giveaway that we are announcing tonight is all about giving out a virtual assistant from VA Hub. So about a month ago, I noticed that there was a handful of people that really, yo guys, how's it going? Hey everybody, good to see you guys. Hold on just a second. I'm gonna see if Cody's coming tonight. Uh, I'll be right back. Uh, we are having so many people in the Facebook group helping out, encouraging other people to grow. Cora crew, first timer for Sunday service. Wow, that's amazing. So guys, we are going to get started here right now. We are going to launch and remind everybody about the giveaway that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Who remembers the giveaway from a couple of weeks ago in the Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group? Let's see. I already have the winners in my email. Let me pull it up. Guys, should I announce the winners now or should I announce the winners at the end of the broadcast? Ooh, wow. Couple of people neck and neck, literally within like a few of each other. But we're announcing two winners tonight, so that's really really cool. Um, Christian Hernandez, my guy. Let's see, Christian Hernandez. Um, you are definitely in the top five. I'm not going to tell you which one you are, but you are definitely in the top five. You are looking real good. What do you guys think? You guys think we should announce the winners of the giveaways? Claudio, most invites. Good to see you, Claudio. It was great to see you in Austin. You did a crazy good job on stage. And I was super impressed, bro. Super impressed. So tonight, guys, we are going to announce that winner. I think we should just start it off with a bang and just announce it right out of the gate. Let's just do that. It'd be awesome. Jimmy, Jimmy Vash, let's see. Give me just a second, guys. I'm pulling it up. All right, so we have five people really, really close but there's only going to be two winners. So the two winners of the contest came in with a whopping one. One of them came in with a whopping 1,007 invites. Oh my gosh. That is so awesome. 1,007 invites. And the second winner runner up, not runner up. They both won came in with 973 973. So those two were off only by, what is that? That's uh, 27. So 34. Really, really close. Then the third place person who did not win, they were off by a few hundred. They invited 800 people to the Facebook group. And guys, why, why do I want to invite people to the Facebook group? What are we trying to accomplish by bringing people into the Facebook group? 
what are we trying to do by bringing people into the Facebook group? How does it help us as a collective group? All right, cool. Wow, Diana, thank you so much. So anyway, usually I have Cody Barton, my partner on here, but he just got back from a mastermind. He's been gone for the last four days. And so I'm going to be running Sunday service all on my own tonight, which is awesome. Yeah, Todd Chun, you are absolutely right. That is the reason why we want to grow that Facebook group. We want to build the community. We want to grow. We want to get people. Um, yes, we want to teach more people. We want to hit. Good to see you, Robin. Always good to see you. And uh, unfortunately, this is an interesting conversation because I'm going to announce the winners here in just a minute. But I get a call today from our Facebook manager. We have a, a, a girl named Kelly Hanno who manages our Facebook group. She, we just hired her about two weeks ago. She calls me and I was out on the golf course with my family and uh, some people I work with. And she's like, oh my gosh, I need your help. I don't know what to do. I go, oh my gosh, okay, what's happening? And she says, there's a guy and another guy and a couple of other people that are fighting on a post in the Facebook group. And I said, oh my gosh, you've got people fighting in our Facebook group? She says, yeah, what, what should I say? And I go, you don't say anything. This is what you do. Yo, what up, Jesse Burrell, my business partner and my, a good friend of mine, Jesse Burrell. Um, so I said, you don't do anything. You don't say anything to them. There's only one thing that you do when people are fighting back and forth. She's like, what do I do? How do I handle it? And I go, delete every single one of them. Block every single one of them. She's like, some of them have been in the Facebook group for a long time. I go, I don't care. I don't care if it's my grandma. I don't care if it's my best friend. I don't care if it's one of my business partners. If people are fighting or people being negative in the Facebook group, gone. I don't care who it is. I don't want to have any negativity. So I do appreciate um, everybody in that Facebook group. And by the way, guys, we are streaming to way less places than we normally do tonight. We normally uh, stream to um, multiple locations on Facebook, but tonight we are not doing that. We are slowly transitioning over to only streaming on YouTube. What we're learning is when people are on Facebook, take a look at this. This is a really good example. Facebook user. I don't know your name, but you're saying family. And so that's really, it doesn't happen like this with YouTube. And the other thing is you guys don't see what I see, but I, we have about 200 people watching between a couple of our YouTube accounts and one Facebook page. We used to stream to all of our Facebook pages and we would get 350 to 400. So it's going to take a little bit of time for everybody to come in and um, you know, move over to YouTube to the point where we get back to having 400 plus viewers every single week. But we're okay with that. We're okay with just going to one platform because one, I don't know who it is when you know you have your name as Facebook group, uh, Facebook user, and then two, I don't know um, how you guys connect. I mean, if I'm in one location, right? Let's say I'm in one location on Facebook, and then I'm you know Pace or uh, Jamil or. Brent are referencing somebody else's comment from another page. I don't have the ability to link in with those people. So you got, we have to be in a situation where we're just all streaming from one location. And unfortunately it's going to take a couple of weeks. So like right now I have 230 people watching live when normally we have 350 to 400 
And we're just going to lose viewers for the next couple of months until everybody just gets to understand that it's all on one. Um, yeah. Ken Fulton says, Pace, I didn't know you were such an outcast fan. Um, Ken, I, I'm not just an outcast fan. I, I'm an individual, you know, Andre 3000 and big boy fan. So I look at these two guys as um, I, I told this to all the sub two students the other day. The reason I had this painting painted, this is a hand painted. Um, I, I commissioned this. I paid somebody to paint this exact painting. And of course, he put his own work on it. He did the colors. He did most of uh, basically everything. I just gave him some inspiration and then he took it off. But the whole reason why I had this painting painted is because not only do I like Outcast, but um, I really enjoy Outcast as a rap group because they were so good at telling a story. And in sales, we um, that's all we do. We tell stories, right? We tell stories to help sellers understand what we're trying to do to help them. We tell stories to the buyers of those properties. We tell stories to everybody. It's always, you're always telling stories. And so I, I felt like Outcast was just one of those people that um, they were the best at telling stories. And then the other reason why I really like Outcast is because you look at the two, two guys, right? So you've got um, Andre 3000, you've got Big Boy over here. They couldn't be any di more different from each other, right? Their personalities are dramatically different. Um, where, you know, how they act, their demeanor, everything is completely different. And ultimately, um, this is how I kind of look at my relationship with Jamil, who I travel the country with, and we go do free pop-up events and just help people all over the country who have been doing it. Him and I, um, we were tallying up how much money we spent this year, just in the last 12 months, how much we both spent collectively not being paid, but flying around the country, flights, hotels, rental cars, food, um, just so we can have free pop-up events. I think what we ended up spending collectively was a little over $80,000. And um, so not only do we do it for free, we take money from our family, to take money from our business to pour into people. And so Jamil and I have a really good match, right? We have a yin and yang relationship where it's very similar to Outcast, And so that's why Outcast is so important to me. And then it also reminds you um, to live in your own purpose. So you never see Big Boy trying to be Andre 3000 and you never see Andre 3000 trying to be Big Boy. So um, it just reminds you, live in your purpose. Stop trying to be like other people. Um, when you have people that have completely different mixes of personality, it will only make your partnerships better, your relationships better, all that kind of stuff. So that's one of the reasons, that's, those are all the reasons why I really like them. Um, so anyway, guys, Diana, she says, I'm here in AZ, just getting started. Need to squat up with somebody here. Anyone else ready? Diana, I have a lot of sub two students. In fact, I would, um, if you're a sub two student, guys, we've got almost 300 people watching live right now between multiple streams. Um, if you're a sub two student, throw up the peace sign, tell everybody, hey, you're a student and where you're at so that people can reach out to you and they can work with you. Diana, I would love to know what you feel like um, is the biggest thing holding you back. I'd like to have that conversation. And guys, as we go into 2021, let's talk about this. We have basically one month left, right? We have one month left. So 
What are your guys' thoughts? What, what held you guys back in 2020? What do you guys feel like you need going into 2021? I want to know that conversation. I want to know where you guys um, need to be in 2021. What types of topics, what types of things? I've got my notepad and pen here today because I want to take notes about what you guys want us to talk about in 2021. I've got a thousand different topics. I was going, I went over to a property of ours. I'm revitalizing and starting the real deal episodes on YouTube all over again, not all over again, but I'm re getting back to doing it. And, you know, it takes two or three hours to get a 15 minute YouTube video and it takes a lot of time. So as you're going through and you're scripting what you think people want and what value people really need out of these videos, sometimes you forget um, what it was like to be brand new and, and remember the questions and the concerns and the feelings that you had before you had started getting deals. So I would love to hear what you guys have to say. Um, Elvin Green, I'm new to the group. I'm ready to squat up with those in the LA and Texas market. We've got a lot of people in Texas, bro. A lot of people in Texas. There's Mike Hayes, one of my uh, greatest students. I love that guy. Um, Briggs, yeah, guys, if you see somebody throwing up the peace sign, you know they're a student of Sub2, which is my mentorship program. Um, reach out to them, leverage them. Uh, we do deals together, right? Grace and Bush, I really know what I need. Okay, I would love to know what you need. I would love to know what you, you need. Let's hear, let's hear it. Um, Eva says, this is amazing that you are offering so much for free. This is pouring out into people. My question is, how would I benefit by paying big money to me, it's big towards mentoring versus all that you offer for free. I know nothing. I am a beginner. Um, you know, it was really interesting um, having a, having going through this. I've never thought of myself as a mentor until maybe a year ago when I realized I was good at teaching. And when people spent time with me, you know, things started happening and their world changed and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I was talking. So I, I saw um, I was at Max Maxwell's event in 2019 and I was lucky enough to meet Gary V. And the one question I was able to ask Gary V was I said Gary V. Um you know there's all these people out there doing mentoring and all that kind of stuff and I feel like I give so much away for free that I don't think I would ever be a good mentor because of everything I give away. And he goes you're you're already doing everything you should be doing. That's exactly what a good mentor does. And I go okay well don't I is aren't there things I should keep behind the curtain? And Gary Vee, and I do, I keep a lot, not a, it's not that I keep a lot of things behind the curtain that you guys can't hear about, know about, see, whatever. It's just that um, there's so much when you get into conversations like, um, somebody asked me a question the other day in one of my sub two Zooms, and the question was all about foreclosure, and my answer was an hour and 45 minutes long. So in a mentorship, which I, you know, I'll probably give 20 to 30 hours a week directly to my students, answering questions one-on-one. -on -one, um, you know, in a group setting, the questions that I get to, I don't have to worry about, you know, Sunday service is an hour and a half long. I have no limit on my time. I can go five, six, seven, 12 hours. I've done 12 hour days with my sub two students. But this is what Gary Vee said. He said, you should give everything away. And then in your mentorship, what you're giving them is real community with other like-minded people. And then you're giving them access to you. That's what the difference between, you know, learning and having a mentor. 
is being able to actually reach out to somebody and ask questions. I probably answer 150 plus questions a week uh, from my sub two students. Everything is recorded. They get to work with each other. There's accountability groups. My team calls leads for them. I call leads for them. I lock up deals for them. My transaction coordinator runs the transactions like Mike Hayes, who is in here. A lot of, a lot of my students have used my transaction coordinator. My attorney will rewrite documents for them. I, it, the, the mentorship is invaluable. Um, whether you're a beginner or you're not. But if you have a question about whether you want to hire me as a mentor or not, my, my feeling is don't hire me. Don't come on as a mentee. If anybody says, hey, convince me to be um, you know, your student, my thought is, yeah, no. If I'm not showing the world how valuable my mentorship is and how much more valuable it is than any other mentorship I've ever seen, then... I, I don't want, I want to work so hard that the results and my students speak for me. And that's really what grows our mentorship, not me pushing it or me, you know, selling it. So really it's access to a community of like-minded people that are also doing deals, people in your local geographical area that are also getting direct attention, questions asked, all that kind of stuff directly for me, access to me, access to my entire team. Um, and then obviously I, you open up the doors. I probably, as much as it seems like I give away everything for free, I probably only have time for not, I don't know, 10% of what you actually need to know is out there for free. The other 90% is inside of a mentorship of somebody that's actually doing deals. So, so hopefully that helps answer your question. Um, Renee, yes, it's amazing. Best mentorship in the world. Thank you so much. Derek, my guy, there's no better investment in your real estate journey than that mentorship. I'll say it. Thank you, brother. I do appreciate that. Um, we really, we really do fight hard. Um, thank you so much, everybody. We really appreciate it. You got to pay to play. Not seriously, nothing, nothing is for free value does cost. Um, so you're stuck with Diana says I'm stuck with comps. My first deal guys, I would love to get some feedback on this idea. I have, I have an idea that I feel like the number one question in the Facebook group, the community, the, you know, the creative finance with Pace Morby Facebook group, I would say is people submit their deals, right? So they'll submit a deal on the, on the page and they'll say, Hey, is this a deal or not? And I've repeatedly thought it would be so cool if I could just go into the Facebook group three days a week for like maybe an hour, maybe two hours and just help people underwrite and comp deals. But I don't know if people would show up for that. Do you think people would show up for that if I did that? And if, if I did, if I did do something like that, um, what times and what day would be something that people would actually show up for? You know what I'm saying? Give me some feedback on that because I think I'm going to create something similar. I was in a mentorship before Paces with an old school guru. You may know him. Pace has 10,000 times better so far. Bro, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So Trey says he'd show up. Leo says he'd show up. Liam Keen, create a software. I would, you know, creating a software is a great idea. Unfortunately, there's so much software out there, but I don't think comping deals really has to do much with, with software. I think you have to comp a deal from a cash buyer standpoint. And the biggest challenge with wholesalers um, and creative finance investors is that they have a hard time comping properties because they've never done a fix and flip before. 
And so they don't understand the costs associated. They don't understand what it takes to buy one of those properties. They don't understand what it takes to get a hard money lender. They don't know what it takes. And so what happens is they just do the simple, um, you know, ARV minus 70%, you know, super quick calculation. So they do those types of comps and they use Zillow or they use PropStream or they use whatever. And then the deal doesn't sell. I've got a bunch of people right now that reach out to me because I'll put stuff on Instagram and they say, hey, um, the deal I have under contract, it's a great deal, but I can't sell it. And I'm like, ooh, those are kind of opposite. Like if it's a great deal, it sells itself, right? If it's a great deal, it, it, it doesn't need to be thrown around a hundred different times. If it's a great deal, it gets bought up right away. And so the software, the calculations that people use are really challenging. I don't think comping is a science. I think comping is an art. And I think it takes some experience from somebody who's actually done deals. Um, see, Blake Hoffman says, we would show up to see how quickly, how you can quickly comp without personally going to the property. Oh, I'd love that. 100%. Um, Jesse says, no such thing as a magic formula. It's practice and understanding the market and what people pay in that particular market. And it's forever fluid. It's a really good point. Um, you know, you could use any software and at the end of the day, lock it up with everybody's formula that you learn on YouTube. And ultimately your deal doesn't get sold. You have to, number one, yes, you have to have buyers. That's helpful. But honestly, we have thousands of buyers. And the reality is we end up selling most of our deals to less than 25 of those buyers every single year. So having thousands and thousands of buyers isn't what sells the deal. It's having um, decent, you know, having a decent amount of buyers, but people that are actually buying and, and yeah, Jamil does make it look e easy. Um, and Jamil makes it go, he goes really fast. But when I comp a property, I take my time. It takes me about 12 to 15 minutes to comp one property because I want to go through and talk about every individual property and what I would do on the fix and flip because I look at it truly as a cash buyer. Jamil looks at it from a disposition standpoint. He's like, I know I could sell it for this. For me, I go, okay, if I'm a fix and flipper, I would sell it for this. My cost would be this. My cost would be this. My cost would be this. So I have to buy it at X, which means that a wholesaler would have to buy it $10,000 lower in order to make a $10,000 deal, right? Um, ooh, Liam says, make a detailed video on canceling a contract. Love it. Liam, are you in that situation right now? Alexandra says she loves the artwork behind me. You guys, a lot of people miss the story because we have about 290 people watching live. And um, I had somebody paint this because I love Outcast and I love the way that they tell stories. We all as salespeople are storytellers. That's what our job is to tell stories. And um, Outcast, you know, Andre 3000 and Big Boy are also so polar opposite from each other in terms of personality that I love this rap duo. Um, amazing what they do, you know, it's super impactful to um, the whole entire music scene still to this day. And I look at it and I look at Andre, I look at Big Boy and I look at Andre 3000 and I realize that these guys are so opposite from each other. They never tried to be like each other. They just amplified each other by walking in each other's purpose. So when I travel the country with Jamil, this is a really, really um, 
good reminder for me to just be who I am, not try and be Jamil and Jamil doesn't try and be me. We, we are there specifically to help each other out. Somebody just made something. Uh, King Edward said, can you ex explain the difference between apps and hybrids and why would you choose one over the other? That's a really great one. So you're talking about buying, uh, let's say you have a seller. So guys, let's, let's jump into some creative finance stuff. This is a creative finance podcast after all. Um, so let's say that I have a seller that their house is worth $200,000 and they want to sell it to me for $200,000. And I go to them and I say, Hey, I would give you $200,000 if you gave me the terms that I need to make this work, because obviously paying, um, retail for something, I'm not going to pay retail with cash. That's stupid. Right. Um, so let's say that I go, okay, great. I'll just take over your mortgage. And I explain all that to him. And then the seller says, I only have a hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Okay. Well, that's a challenge for most people, right? The challenge is that seller is going to ask you for a hundred thousand dollar down payment and then let you take over a hundred thousand dollar mortgage. That's a problem. That's a lot of money. You can't cash flow with that. Now, I have spreadsheets for my subject to, to students that I won't be using on Sunday service just because um, those are things we go through for hours and hours in the sub to mentorship. I'll keep that for that um, purpose. But at the end of the day, how am I going to make money if I have to give this guy his equity up front? You can't. The only time you can give somebody equity up front is when the equity is small enough that it makes sense, right? Five, 10, 15, $20,000, maybe. The most I've ever given a seller on a um, seller finance subject to situation was $29,000. So when you have a seller, now, granted, I just bought a property in um, Atlanta for $1.1 million. It's a triplex that we're turning into the main house and then it has two guest house in the back. Main house is gonna be an Airbnb, or I'm sorry, the Two of them are going to be Airbnbs and one of them is going to be um, a personal residence for me when I'm tra I travel to Atlanta. That seller gave me a, a, sold me the home for $1.1 and I gave them $100,000 down. Now, this is a beginner podcast, right? So I'm not going to get into the specifics of where that $100,000 comes from unless you guys really care. But at the end of the day, most people really, really want to know the basics, right? They want to know how can they go get their first sub two deal. And then ultimately scale into a position of where I'm at, where I can cut a check for $100,000 on a triplex and the seller will then sell, uh, seller finance the other $1 million, right? So we're not going to jump into that. But going back to this exact example, example who has had a seller? Uh, Lee Winters, do I sell paper? Buy a deal cheap, clean it up minimally, sell it on own. Yep, I have one right now. If you go to my Instagram from three weeks ago, I did a whole like 12 minute Instagram live that's on in my Instagram TV where I scraped a home, built a brand new home on the dirt seller. I'm sorry. The buyer came in with enough money to cover my cost. And then I seller financed the remaining to um, balance them for, it was like $129,000. And so I created paper. Yeah. We create paper all the time and I'm so I sold that 129,000 or I financed that $129,000 to them for 9.5%. Okay. Um, anyway, so back, back to this with King Edward. 
King Edward. So if I buy the house for $200,000, the seller wants $200,000, but their sub two mortgage is only $100,000 of that. Then I have to ask that seller to finance their equity to me, right? So that would be considered a wraparound mortgage. So essentially they're taking the sub two, they're adding their equity to it, and then they're creating one note, one note entirely. That's a wraparound mortgage. A hybrid is when you keep those notes completely separate. So you've got the sub two note, and then you have the seller finance note. You, you keep them separate. They are two completely separate payments. I do not want to buy on a wrap. I do not buy on wraparounds because typically what happens is if a seller is selling to you on a wrap, that means they're wrapping the, the underlying sub two mortgage and they're raising the rate on that sub two mortgage. I have way too many opportunities out there for me to take somebody's sub two mortgage and allow them to wrap it to me. My job as an investor is to get a great deal, not only on the purchase, but also on the interest rate so that I can then wrap it to my end buyer. But if I'm buying a wraparound, am I, I'm buying a wrap mortgage, I'm putting myself in a situation where I'm paying too much money on their interest on the sub two. So separate those into a hybrid. And I say, I'm not paying any extra above and beyond your sub two note. If it's a 3.5% interest rate, I'm literally just taking that over. And then they seller finance their note to me at typically our average seller finance is about 1.9%. So why I like the hybrid is because it keeps these two things completely clean. And a wraparound is when you create one note that encompasses both of those. So you really don't ever want to buy on a wraparound because that means the seller is savvy enough to take their sub two loan and take the 3.5% subject to loan and sell it to you at five and a half, six and a half, seven and a half percent. That's what we do to our, our wrap or homestead buyers. That's what we sell. That's when I sell it to somebody on seller finance, I charge them that rate. So if you're buying on a wraparound, you're typically putting yourself in a situation where you'll have less cash flow. Okay. Um, hopefully that, that helps you out. Um, Courtney, do you include authorization of release of info to access lender with the contract? Um, yes, it's a completely separate document, but yes, it, it, we do include that for sure. Lee Winters, more asking about than selling that note to generate a lump of cash versus taking a wholesale fee. Yes. So what I'm probably going to end up doing, Lee, is once that actually um, seasons, I will then sell that note to somebody else. So I finance 129. I'll probably sell it for $100,000 and let somebody else have the upside of the cash flow and that extra $29,000. So yes, I'll sell that note and I'll generate a big fee on that one. And then I'll reinvest that into four or five other deals. Um, should have gotten authorization. Yeah. Uh, let's get up to some questions here. Uh, I can believe someone asked something like this. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Sounds like you guys would show up to my comping show. I think maybe, what should I call it guys? What should, what, what, what oh, Maurice Grant. Guys, I'm talking about that $1.1 million property with a seller. I, Maurice, I haven't had a chance to talk to you or text you. I've had people in town, but I did buy that property from your seller, Jillian. And um, I, you and I got to work out an assignment fee on that deal. And um, let's have a conversation sometime this week, bro. Thanksgiving came early. You're, you're gonna make some money on that deal. Good, good job following up. No software can replace knowledge. That, that is 100% true. 
Mario, I have a sub two in a small town in Georgia and the seller has a mortgage with a small bank. I heard smaller banks are more likely to call the loan due. How should I proceed? Mario, typically smaller banks are likely to call the loan due if you're reinstating the loan and taking it out of um, a, a status of it being in foreclosure. So if the house was in foreclosure and you're reinstating it, that's when typically those smaller banks will notice that you reinstated the loan and sh shortly thereafter you took the home over subject to. That is a small loan or small company doing that. Liam, compete with Jerry Norton Software. I love Jerry Norton. He's a great guy. Um, I think honestly, one of the toughest things people have a hard time with is that question, right? So comping is not comping. It, like comping is not the issue. What people really need, they call it comping, but it's not. It's deal structuring. They need to know far more. And this is what my students get from me. They get to know what to, exactly what to say to a seller. So if, they, if this, they come to me and they go, oh, the seller wants this. Is this a good deal? I go, no, it's not a good deal. And here's the eight things you should go back and tell this seller in order for you to get that house under contract. That's what people really need. They don't need comping, right? Like comping is really basic. Um, yes, it's nice to have somebody verify your comps for you. That's always great. But the reality is people need way more than that. They need way more than that. They need understanding how to talk to the seller, which is what my specialty is. Understanding how to structure the deal if it's a creative finance deal, which is what one of my specialties is. Understanding the exit strategy. And those are the things that you can't get on YouTube. Those are the things you can't get on even an hour and a half podcast. This is why I do multiple five-hour, six-hour, seven-hour Zooms with my students because one deal getting structured and having hundreds of my students watching it or 50 of my students watching it, depending on if I'm doing it at four o'clock in the morning because yes, I do Zooms at four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning because I have East Coast students who are up at seven, eight o'clock their time and I take advantage of that time frame. So they're not calling me to comp a property. They're calling me and they're getting on a Zoom with me because they want me to tell them to the seller. They want to know how to structure the acquisition and they want to know how to structure the disposition. Those are the things that people really, really need help with, right? Wouldn't everybody agree with that? So um, Alexander Katz, Pace, whenever you purchase a property via subject two, how do you determine the upfront payment to give to the seller before you take over the existing debt? Alexander, first and foremost, that comes that conversation starts with asking the seller. And then the way you determine that is by determining what is my cash flow if I give the seller $10,000. Let's say the seller is asking for $10,000. Well, my students are trained to understand what the entry fee looks like, how to take that entry fee and where it's getting funded from that ultimately tells you what the cash flow is. If there's no cash flow, you go back to the seller and say, hey, you're asking for 10 grand. I can't cash flow at that. It's based on your ability to cash flow. Like I've got a deal right now where a seller was like, I need $25,000 to move out of this house and do this, do this, do this. And I went back to the seller and I said, hey, we're really sorry. We can't make this deal work because the 20, we, although everything else works, we'll give you the price you want. Us giving you $25,000 in cash up front really kills the deal. So Alexander always comes back to your ability to, to um, structure the deal and cash flow on it. If you are the buyer, and if you're not the buyer and you're going to assign a sub to or seller finance to an end buyer, um, 
Alec Hawthorne. How do you deal with comping or, uh, comping or structuring the deal in a non-disclosure state? We use PropStream, but not always 100% accurate. Halfway through getting licensed as well. So Alec, um, the way I comp anything is always calling my buyers. I know this is a thing that nobody ever wants to do, but it is comes down to your buyers. What determines the purchase price? And this is not a comp out answer. This is truly what the, the correct answer is. Your, you should never sign a contract with a seller unless you have a buyer that you've at least verified your purchase price with or you know for sure that's a deal. Too many wholesalers are giving us bad names. I'm a wholesaler. Cody and I are wholesalers. We love doing wholesale. By the way, guys, I, I truly appreciate you guys watching. We've got 300 people watching live on a Sunday evening. So thank you so much. Um, this is a fun community, um, really good group of people that come in and show up for Sunday service. So thank you. So Alec, in a non-disclosure state, let's say Texas, for example, I know that's where you're at. Um, even in Arizona, when we buy a deal, we always ask our buyers, hey, where would you need to be on this property, on, on this price? Every time. And I'm going to be doing a competition for my sub two students in December where we're going to give away a fix and flip opportunity with me to my sub two students based on which accountability group inside the sub two um, family actually builds the biggest buyers list. Because the buyers list, we ha I have buyers list nationwide, but I have 20 to 30 in every state. There's a couple of states I have hundreds, but most of the states I just have 20 or 30. So I'm trying to encourage my sub two students to work together in their accountability groups to ultimately put themselves in a situation where they are all going out and building a bigger, buyer, a bigger buyers list together through instruction. And then going into 2021, we can all comfortably say, hey, we have a ton, a ton, a ton of um, uh, buyers all over the nation that as a sub two family, we can all share in that, which will be really cool. Um, um, hi, Pace. Where or how can we begin taking your courses? If you guys are interested in the mentorship, I don't really push this that often. You guys will rarely see me push this. Um, but you you ask and I will give you at least something to take a look at. So there's a lot of people in here, by the way. There's a couple people that have tried to join our mentorship, but the mentorship is sold out in multiple areas. So I am sending, I'm giving you a link. Look at the links right there. Um, the links go to a landing page to sign up for a phone call to see if the area that you are in is sold out or not. So take a look at that link. That is for uh, joining our sub two family. Okay, so Gaines City. Dude, uh, you must be shredded. Pace, have you ever negotiated city tax liens. Yeah. Uh, no, I have never negotiated a city tax lien. I did just um, negotiate an IRS lien. How did you go about that? I'm wholesaling two properties, but liens are too high. Negotiate with the city or move on. So I've never been able to negotiate with the city individually, but I've negotiated with the federal government. I've also negotiated with, um, we, have a we have a health care system here in Arizona called um, Access. So A-H-C-C-S, Access. It's an acronym. And we bought a property. I actually have the check. Like I, I told the title company to print this check out for me because it was so big. But we had this lady a couple of years ago. I don't know where the check is. I'm kind of in our new studio, so I got to figure that out. But go to this lady. My wife talks to her 
And she basically was like, hey, nobody else has been able to solve my problem because I have a ton of access liens on my property. Basically, her parents who were passing away ended up having all these surgeries that the state paid for. So the state's health program kicked in, paid like $250,000 in access fees to get her parents taken care of. Well, her parents die. The you know access liens the property. This girl, Lori is her name. Lori inherits this property and now it's got all these liens on it. So Lori's in a situation. She's like, nobody can help me. I'm just going to stop making payments and I'm going to live here for a year basically until they foreclose on me and I'm just going to save my money to move into another property. So we, we kind of let the, the lead die. And what ended up happening is my wife, or no, not my wife. I went to my wife who was doing my lead follow-up. This is years ago. And I said, I just have a weird feeling about this lady, Lori. Like there's got to be something we can do there. There's got to be something we can do there. And I needed the money at the time too, because I was funneling a lot of my wholesale fees into my construction company because somebody was stealing money from me and I needed my wholesale fees to keep my construction company going. It was a really weird time. And my wife goes, okay, fine. I'll set up a meeting. We go meet Lori in Starbucks. We go get the house under contract where basically we're going to pay off the loan and then we're going to give her $5,000. And she's like, good luck. You're not going to be able to figure this out. I have too many liens. And I go, well, you know, either A, I'm going to learn a lot of valuable lessons or B, we're going to make some money on this deal. So I knew it wasn't a deal. There was literally $250,000 in liens on this property. So over the course of two or three weeks, I went to access every single day, A-H- CCS, I think is what, what access is for, um, Arizona healthcare system, whatever. And nobody was ever there. Nobody was ever at access. I could never find them at access. So one day randomly I go back to access. I not, I'm knocking on the glass. I'm knocking on the glass and this guy, his head pops up and I'm like, what the freak? Like that was kind of scary. So this guy walks up to the door, unlocks it. He's like, hey, can I help you? And I go, yeah. Like, I've been trying to get a hold of somebody at Access for the last three or four weeks. He's like, yeah. You know, um, we have, they have another building that's like really private. This is a government um, healthcare thing. So you get a lot of people come down here yelling, screaming, whatever. So this is kind of a fake, you know, storefront where we actually have people on the phones and working in their office in a much safer location. I'm like, okay, wow. All right. Interesting. He goes, well, how can I help you? And I go, well, Frank, um, I need to negotiate an access lien. I'm trying to buy a property and the lady's in foreclosure. And if she gets foreclosed on, you guys get no money. I get no money. She gets no money. And I'm hoping I can negotiate with you guys some degree. Is there somebody that you can put me in touch with? He goes, meanwhile, I thought this guy was the janitor, the way he's dressed and the way he looked and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, oh yeah, I, I can negotiate that lien for you. And I'm like, what the, f Okay. So Frank and Amy, who was my title rep at the time, or not title rep, escrow officer, she, it was like a $250,000 loan. We go, man, we just need this thing to be at like 80 grand and we'll make a whole bunch of money. She goes, how about we send a payoff request for like $9,100? So I go, I don't know, roll the dice. Let's see what happens. So she sends over the, the payoff request saying, um, not the payoff request, but the basically here's our offer that we can pay $9,100 towards the lien. And they didn't even negotiate with us. They flat out said, okay, no problem. 
Send, send us the money and we'll release the lien. So I paid $9,100 for a $250,000 lien. Took me a couple of weeks of being persistent to get a hold of the right person. It was the weirdest thing. And the day we were closing escrow, I was like counting my money. We made well over $100,000 on this deal. And um, it was super interesting to see that you, I, that was the first time I ever negotiated a lien. Now I've negotiated IRS liens. I've negotiated baby baby mama liens, what's your child support liens. I've negotiated mechanics liens, but I have still to this day not been able to get a city lien negotiated. So hopefully that um, helps answer the question. Um, yeah, sorry. It looks like some, I, there's a couple of live feeds that I can't, like, apparently it won't take the um, link for my mentorship. So, so, so sorry about that. Um, Pace, when will you be coming to Detroit? I would love to show you around, take you on a weekly Thursday mortgage foreclosure auction when they start back up after COVID ends. Huge opportunities. Todd, I would love to go to Detroit. The problem with Detroit is it's cold as hell. And um, it was 80 degrees today and I wore a vest. So that tells you like how excited I am about going to Detroit this time of year. Um, also, it seems really hard um, for us to travel around right now. We tried to go to New York that got shut down. I'm going to Atlanta in who's who who here is from Atlanta. We've got 300 people watching live. Who's who in here is from Atlanta? We are going Jamil and I are going to be in Atlanta. Eva Grace Mims. Can you see the link that I'm putting in the side? It's the link here. I'll put it on the screen. Here's the link to the mentorship. It's on the screen. Sounds like a couple of people are having a hard time finding the link. Come back to Houston. <laughs> We've been to Houston twice in the last 30 days. Spent a bunch of time there. Um, yeah, Gain City. That was awesome. Yeah. So I've never done it with the city. I feel like the city has a little bit, they're just less, um, maybe they're not, just not structured for somebody to actually make that decision. I don't know. But if you find the decision maker and you make your plea with them saying, hey, this person's going to lose their house anyway, then why not, right? Wow, we've got a lot of people in Atlanta. We've got a lot of people in Atlanta. Um, so let me give you guys the um, information for the Atlanta meetup. Jamil and I are going to be there in um, December 2nd. So it's coming up really soon. I haven't booked my flight yet, but uh, I know exactly where we're meeting. I know exactly what day and where the venue is. We love Atlanta. Let's see. Jamil and Georgia. Who would come to an Atlanta meetup? Boom. Meetup is boom. Here we go. Here's the information right there in the side. Jesus Hernandez, I was in California for an entire month during COVID. My wife and myself and our kids, we drove out to um, California. We spent a month out there. So I, we try and spread it around as much as we possibly can. When are you coming to North, North Carolina? 
I would probably plan on coming to North Carolina probably in March, somewhere around there. Um, we are going to Atlanta in 10 days, and then Jamil is going to go to Aspen for a couple of weeks. So we're going to stop traveling for most of December. I'm going to potentially live in Florida for the month of December. Um, but my wife have, and I have not made that decision yet. We were thinking about, we don't have our, our little boy as much as we normally would this coming Christmas break. And so we were thinking, hey, let's just go somewhere and live somewhere in a completely different state for a couple of weeks and just see how it goes. Can't see the ATL meetup. Um, all right. I don't know what it is. This is, guys, this is why Facebook sucks. Everybody that's on Facebook, we really don't want to be. Um, so there you go. It's on the screen. The meetup is 12 to 6 to 9 at Boxcar Hop. City address is um, Box, Boxcar Hop City, I guess is the name of the venue. And address is 1000 Street, Southwest Atlanta. There you go. It's on the screen, guys. Anybody that's in Facebook, I just want you guys to know that in about two weeks, we are no longer streaming to Facebook. Everybody in Facebook right now, give me a yes that you understand that because we have a little over 300 people watching between all of our live streams, but there's about 130 of them that are on Facebook. And so the challenge is people are going to say, oh, Pace isn't doing Sunday service anymore. No, I am doing Sunday service. I just am doing it. And we just want to be in YouTube only because you can't see our links in Facebook. You can't squat up with each other in Facebook. Facebook really limits a lot of stuff. And YouTube really wants the viewers. They really want the people on that platform. And so we're just moving that direction. Okay. Does everybody understand we're no longer going to be on Facebook in the next couple of weeks? Got a lot of yeses. Thank you, guys. I don't know what it is, Willie. But Willie, what... Um, Willie... Bowdoin, 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 Bowden, Bowdoin. Sorry, bro. Willie, what Facebook group are you in? Jamari, my guy. Jamari, I hope that we're going to end up seeing each other. Pace, can I call your team tomorrow? Need numbers. I have a unique seller in Sun City. Also, can you buy and rent out homes in Sun City? Little Pink Houses, absolutely. Um, is it a wholesale deal or is it a creative finance deal? Let me know that. Um, I will do a fix and flip right now in Sun City. You have a unique seller in Sun City. What do you mean by that? Give me a little bit more information. I'd love to hear more. Pace, is there an instance in which you see a great spread between monthly PIT and what you could rent it for where you would not pick up the deal? What other factors aside from spread do you look for? Uh, no. Um, yeah, I do. I mean, let's let's go through that. Why would I not buy a deal? Let's say if something is a really good cash flow or why would I not buy that deal? Number one, just off the top of my head, this list could change at any time because I'd never th put much thought to this, but you're asking the question, so I'll give you the answer. Number one, it's not an area that I want to buy in, right? I get people that send me stuff in Ohio and Iowa and all these really good cash flowing markets and I don't buy there. I mean, at some point I might, but I really want to buy in places I want to travel to and nothing against Ohio, but I just, I have no desire to travel to Ohio. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't want to buy there because it's not something in my mind. I, I think the, when you start making money, a little bit more money, 
your limit on where you live kind of changes, right? So my wife and I can literally go, we've slept more times outside of our home this year than we have inside of our home. So I want to have places I own properties so I can go travel to places I like going and then know that I have properties there just in case I need to do something or I need to meet with somebody or whatever. Um, but I don't want to buy in pro certain, not certain areas. I want, I don't want to buy in like 45 of the, the United States. There's only like five states I want to buy in personally, but there's, I know hundreds of sub two buyers that would buy in all those markets because that's where they live or, you know, that's their model or whatever. So number one is I don't want the area. Number two, I would say it has a, a hard money loan. I've had people bring sub two deals to me and they're like, oh yeah, this is a great deal. The PITI or the, you know, payment, they'll tell me is the payment, not the PITI. Cause obviously it's not PITI. But they'll say, oh, the payment's like 800 bucks and the ability to run the thing out is like $1,500. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a great deal. Then I get into the nitty gritty. I tell, say, send me over your mortgage statement and they can't. And then it turns out it's a hard money loan. So if it's a hard money loan, no, I'm not going to touch it. Uh, same thing with the reverse mortgage. I'm not going to touch a reverse mortgage. Have never, will never. Um, until somebody, I, I'm in a creative finance mastermind, bunch of older guys that nobody, like they're not on social media. You'll never see them all. But nobody in that group's been able to figure out the reverse mortgage situation. So maybe one day when I figure that out, then yes. Um, but cash flow for me is the most important thing, 100%. Yeah, I would love to come to Virginia Beach, uh, Virginia. Um, we love Alabama, by the way. Um, we have a ton of time. We have a ton of friends in Alabama and specifically hanging out with Ty is a lot of fun. Craig Rogers said, I think you said you only buy where Keegley is at. Is that still true? Um, yes, I only buy where Keegley's at. That's just common sense from a wholesale standpoint. Okay. From a wholesale standpoint, if you're building a wholesale business, a smart market to virtually wholesale in is find out where Keegley exists. Okay. If you've got a good seller, but they are in an arm, any reason not to have them refi into a 30 year AM then sub two? Yes. A couple of good reasons. Sometimes sellers can't get refinanced, right? Sometimes sellers are maybe in foreclosure or something along those lines, or they lost their job or whatever it is, and they can't get refinanced. That would be good. One good reason. The other reason is if they're in an uh, adjustable rate mortgage, for anybody who doesn't know what an arm is, if they're in an adjustable rate mortgage that adjusts with the market, right now, I would love to have that adjustable rate mortgage, right? The other thing is, how long has that mortgage been getting paid? This, I, this is my home studio right here. And when I took this house over sub two, the payments had been get, getting made on this property for 13 years. So think about my mortgage pay down at this point, right? I, I, all my interest for anybody who doesn't understand this, there's got to be at least one person that doesn't understand this concept. Do you guys realize, right? Let's, let's talk about this. What is an amortization schedule? Who does not know, understand amortization? Give me a no, give me a hard no in the comments and I will go into, um, I'll go into that for a couple of minutes. Who does not understand amortization? Who doesn't understand how that works? Um, could you explain cap rate? Cap rate is typically not used for residential property. So stop, guys, stop using cap rate for residential. That's multifamily. Um, that's what, that's, 
Okay. Awesome. 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 Mike buys houses. Doesn't know Corey Smith, Cora crew, Nisha. Okay. Um, well, Nisha, I think Nisha knows, but look at all these Facebook users, guys. This is why Toriano, I will get to that question in just a second. What fate, what Keegley is, but go to Keegley. Let's find out their website real quick. I think it's Keegley.com. Yeah. So that's their, um, I think it's Keegley Investments, actually. So Keegley, Keegley Homes. Here we go. So Keegley is a disposition company. So basically what they do is they go to all the wholesalers in every market. They're all over the country now. And Keegley goes to all the wholesalers and creative finance buyers and says, hey, let me help you find a buyer. And they just do disposition. That's their main model is disposition. And so what they do is they help sell my deals. They help sell thousands of other people's deals. Okay. Um, all right. So let me jump into what amortization is. Scott Berry says no. Soft no. Jason, <laughs> Jason, that's... Hey, you know, a couple of years ago, I, that my same answer was a soft no as well. So amortization basically means paying down over time, okay? So it, what it means is if I get a house and I go get a mortgage from Bank of America, I have a 30-year amortized loan, which means over 30 years, that loan will be paid to zero, okay? Amortized means being paid down. Now, why it's important for you to understand an amortization schedule is that the banks, when they give you a loan, they know that the average buyer, the average homeowner only lives in a property for six to eight years and then they sell, they refinance, they do whatever, okay? So what they did a long time ago is they figured out, why don't we front load all the payments, the first 10 years of the 30 years of payments, the first 10 years, let's make the majority of those payments interest. And only a little bit amount of money goes towards the principal. So after 10 years making payments, you guys will run into sellers that are like, they don't have a lot of equity, even though they've been in the property for five, six, seven years, not so much in the last couple of years because our market has gone crazy, but in a normalized market, you'll run into sellers that are like, yeah, I've been here three years, but I haven't really paid the house down because the majority of the payments they're making are going to interest, insurance, HOA, taxes, and very little bit amount of that money is going to the principal. So when you buy a home that's a 30-year mortgage subject to, and it's been paid for 10 years, even though it doesn't have a lot of equity, that's exactly what this house was. This guy bought this house in 2007, right before the crash. He bought the house for $450,000 and he sold it to me 13 years later for $410,000, okay? So he didn't have a lot of equity because he hadn't paid it down that much. The amortization schedule, which is 30 years, is a, is a curve. So, so most of the money is interest for the first 10 years and then boom, it starts less and less of the interest. Um, you pay way more principal balance on the tail end of the loan than you do at the beginning of the loan. Okay. And so when people say, oh, well, this is not a great cash flower. I also say, well, how old is the loan? How long is this lo that loan being paid for? So 
when this loan on this property was originated or started, okay, originated means started. When this loan started in 2007, the payment here, uh, let's just say it's $2,000. It's like 19 and some change. But the mortgage payment on this house that I took over is $2,000 a month, okay? In 2007, the payment, 15, probably 1,600 of that, 1,600 of that payment was going to interest, okay? So very little of that money was actually being paid down towards the principal balance, maybe $100, okay? Then the other $300 is going to taxes and insurance. So now my $2,000 monthly payment, where does it go? Now it's not flip-flopped, but it's about even. So about $850 a month goes to interest and $800 goes to the uh, principal. So you can see it's starting to change in a really, really big way. So why would I ever want anybody to refinance that loan and start it over from scratch? Because now my loan is hammering down really, really fast. So people say, oh, well, let's refinance the loan because the interest rate is so low right now. That's sometimes the worst thing that you can do because you've already paid all of that interest. So now the remaining balance of your, your loan is not going to have much interest on it. So you refinancing, even if it's half the interest rate, you're still going to pay way more interest on a brand new loan at half the interest rate as you would just keeping the interest rate in place and finishing out the loan. So I get people that say, um, I think we should have this seller refinance because the I'm like, oh my gosh, this is people from bigger pockets, like not thinking things out and nothing against bigger pockets, but I think people are just a little bit too traditional over there sometimes to kind of get out of their own way. I want to understand what my sellers need. What promise can my team provide that they want and they need? That's a really good one. I like that a lot. What happens if the person you're buying from dies before the length of the loan expires? Um, I have multiple homes, Matthew. I have multiple homes with dead people's mortgages on them. In fact, I have a letter from one of them. I almost want to go grab the letter. Um, I get all her mail. I get a dead lady's mail. What does her death have to do with my ownership? She, her death has nothing to do with the ownership of the property. Her death has to do with the debt. So when people die and they inherit people's homes, there's a lot of times the court will allow those, those inheritance or the, the people inheriting the property to take the house subject to. Subject to is a perfectly legal um, transaction. Okay. It's in the, it's in the real estate code. So you, as the person inheriting the property can buy a house subject to take over your mom's debt, your dead mother's loan and live in the property. Okay. So I, um, I, we own multiple homes from people who have their debt still on the house. And even though those sellers are dead. Okay. That's not, that really doesn't have much to do with anything. Okay. Um, Naeem Pace, seller owes 271, ARV 305, PITI 2500, equivalent to market rent. And the seller wants to walk away with 10K. The house, 3,000 square feet, needs only cosmetic repairs. Is there any way to structure this deal with creative finance? My guy, 
my gut says no. 1000% there is ways to structure that deal. There is a buyer. Where what market? What where is that area? And tell me what your entry fee would be. Okay? Any of my students want to share what the entry fee is? What is the entry fee? Give her, let's give some people some education today, guys. What is the entry fee? What do you mean when you say subject to is in the real estate code? I, I don't know what more I could tell you. Subject to seller carryback, seller finance, um, taking mortgages over, subject to transactions are in real estate code. Go look, go look at your state's individual real estate code and you it will show you how to handle those transactions legally. Every single state, there's not a single state in the United States that does not allow subject to, 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 to um, take place, okay? It is in your real estate code. It shows you exactly how to handle it, okay? Um, okay, so Naeem says ATL, absolutely. Um, so here's the thing is when, let me ask you a question. I live in this property. It, I bought this house subject to, do I care, Naeem, do I care if this house cash flows? Do I care if this house cash flows? The answer is no, I don't care if this house cash flows because I live here, right? Nobody that lives in their own property cares whether the house cash flows or not. That's where they raise their children. They make their babies. They have their dinner. They wash their clothes. That's their home base. So the person that's the buyer for that, Naeem, is not an investor. The person that's the buyer for that is a homeowner who has bad credit that needs to come in and buy that house subject to. So this is what I teach my students. I teach my students to buy that house subject to and assign the subject to contract to an end buyer. That is how you'd get that deal done, okay? Um, Liz, but a death would mean that the original loan needs to go through probate. No, no, it doesn't. So would that make the bank call the amount of loan if there is no error? No, that is not what goes through probate. What goes through probate is the estate, okay? the estate has already sold the property. They don't have a property to take through probate. They don't take loans through probate. They take estates. They take homes. They take assets. There is no asset. There's only a debt. Okay. And when I have an agreement with the seller that I took over the debt, the estate has to honor that. Okay. So I've had people try and come to me and contest and say, oh, my mom sold her house to you, but we want this debt taken out of her name. I'm like, sorry, this is the agreement she signed with me. It says the debt will stay in its place. Oh, we're going to call the bank. Great. Call the bank. What do you want me to do? I didn't do anything illegal. Call the bank. Okay. So no, I, that is not what goes through probate. What goes through probate are the assets to make sure that they get liquidated properly. They get split up properly. And um, if there is no home, they don't own a home. They have a debt in their name that's attached to a home, but they, have, they don't own a home. So there is no home that goes through probate. What if the seller declares bankruptcy? Amazing. That's a really good question. This is why I bring in, uh, I brought in two bankruptcy attorneys into my mentorship to talk about this specifically, because it seems to come up frequently. When a seller goes through bankruptcy, people feel like, oh my gosh, they're bankrupting, they're bankrupting the debt out of their name from the mortgage and you have that debt that you bought subject to. Guys, it's very simple. I've not seen this. I've never seen this not done, not saying that it hasn't, but the 
loan doesn't go through bankruptcy. It's one of the things they don't list on the things they're bankrupting. You can omit certain debts from a bankruptcy. So when they're going through the bankruptcy, they omit that and they say, I'm not filing bankruptcy on this. I'm moving forward on the credit card debts and all that kind of stuff because I have an agreement in place. We've also gone into the court um, talking to the bankruptcy judge, the person who's actually making the decision on things, stood there with the seller and told the seller, hey, or told the judge, hey, we're buying this home subject too. This seller has no equity. In fact, we're giving him a little bit of money, $5,000 to take over his debt. And the judge then goes, great, we'll allow it. And we want the $5,000. So of course the seller gets pissed, but there's ways around that as well, where the seller essentially gives that $5,000 to the court. But then I have another agreement outside of that saying that I'm buying the seller's furniture inside the home and they get another 5,000 bucks. So there's a hundred different ways to skin that cat. Um, but yeah, there's, there's two answers to what happens if the seller declares bankruptcy. Okay. Um, I have this idea. I don't want to deal with tenants and toilets. Do you have any issues or headaches with tenants or major issues with banks? Yes. All the time. But this is an interest. I don't know who you are, so I'm sorry if I sound ultra critical, but I also want to be a millionaire and I also want to build long-term wealth. Name one thing in the world that will build long-term sustainable wealth today and in the future for my family that does not involve, that does not involve real estate. So I do, we have Airbnbs, we have group homes, we have tenants, but I can tell you out of hundreds of properties that we own, not hundreds, but we, we own under 200. But um, out of all those properties, we probably get four or five calls a month. So I think it's something that people um, are really fearful of. But think about this. If you have that many homes, do you think money or dealing with tenants is really something that you would be doing? No, I don't deal with any of that stuff. We have people to do it. We make enough money on those properties that it's a full-fledged business. So... You don't want to deal with tenants and toilets. That is something I feel like is a cop-out answer for most people. I think what's interesting is that the people who don't deal with tenants and toilets also don't get the magical thing, the most magical thing about buying creative with creative finance. What's the most magical thing with buying with creative finance? It's depreciation. Okay. Now, creative finance is amazing. You're going to buy way more deals. You're going to make more money. You're going to execute more frequently. You're going to have more exit strategies, more solutions. All of that's a, a given. Cash flow is cool, Eva. Cash flow is cool, but depreciation is the magic button. So let's say that this year I made a couple million dollars. Okay. How is it that I will pay zero dollars in taxes this year? How is it that I will pay zero dollars in taxes this year? How is it? How will I pay $0 in taxes? Tax benefits, all coming from rental properties. So people that go to their nine to five job and they make $200,000 a year and 40, 50, 60, $80,000 of that goes to the federal government. And their thought is, I don't want to deal with tenants and toilets. Don't you think you could just hire a full-time person for $30,000 a year to deal with your tenants and toilets? instead of giving away all that money to the government, you would still, let's say that I may, let's go through this real quick. Let's go through some logic. If I make 
300,000, let's say, let's do this. If I make $400,000 a year, okay, most wholesalers, fix and flippers, you know, creative finance investors make more money than that. But let's say I make $400,000 a year. Okay. I make $400,000 a year. Do you know how much of that money goes to the federal government? 50%. It's like 47%. Okay. So you're talking close to $200,000 in money I'm giving away to people who have a have a hard time managing it. Can you we all agree whether you're you're Republican or Democrat or in between, can we all agree that the government pisses our money away? So you're going to give away $200,000 of your money because you don't want to deal with tenants and toilets. I would much rather take $30,000 or $40,000 of that 200 grand hire a full-time person to deal with that stuff for me and keep my $170,000, $160,000 to myself. That's what rental properties can do for you. That's what lease options can do for you. So when everybody's out there at the end of the year, you guys are, look, look at what you guys paid in taxes this year. Where, what can you guys go back this year in 2020 and say, I, I paid I, you know, I'm happy about the taxes I paid. Is anybody here happy about the amount of money they paid in taxes? I don't want to give the government a dime either. Think about this. I earn a dollar and 50%, of, 50 cents of that is gone before I touch it. So now I have 50 cents. Then I go to, then I have employees. So I got to pay employment tax. I got to pay all this stuff. I got to pay consumption tax. So I go down and I buy gas. I'm paying gas there. How much of my dollar do I actually get? At the end of the day, when the federal government gets involved, you get less than 20% of your money. Most of it, most of our money goes to taxes if you really think about it. Okay. So this is why the thought process of, I don't want to deal with tenants and toilets is a, is a horrible strategy. Horrible strategy. We, we got to, this is why creative finance is amazing is pe people go, I've had people say, why don't you just go out and get loans for your properties? I'm like, oh, I am getting loans. I'm just, I'm taking them over. I don't, what do you want me to do? And they go, oh no. And like, why, why wouldn't you go down to the bank? And I'm like, let me count the reasons why. But number one for, for this, in this contest text of this situation, number one, I I can buy way more homes way faster, way faster. So if my goal is to not pay taxes, my goal is to cash flow, my goal is to have real generational wealth, don't you think I want to do that as fast as possible? If I use the if I use the burst strategy where I go out and I'm giving loans on everything I buy, guys, you're get, you're pulling credit, you're having to season these, the lenders get involved. It's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. So creative finance allows you to buy houses so much faster than you ever would have with going the traditional route. So much faster. It's not even a comparison. You don't have to do, deal with toilets if you're using lease option as an exit strategy. Yes, that is true to a certain degree. Now, I do have a lease option right now um, on Maui. Um, why do I know this? My team typically deals with it, but I have a property on Maui that my team comes to me and goes, hey, we've got a really big repair that the um, buyer or the lease option tenant can't afford to fix. It's a $3,500 um, concrete slab leak. So there's, a, there's plumbing underneath the concrete slab. 
that needs to be trent, dug up, trenched up, hammered into the concrete, repair the leak, and then re-pour the concrete. It's like 3,500 bucks. The, the, the tenant can't pay that. Even though they're in their agreement, they're supposed to. So I went back to that tenant. I said, hey, I'll pay for the $3,500, but you need to pay me an extra $350 a month for the next 12 months. So I actually charge them interest on the money that I paid for the repair. So yes, you do. Um, if you own more than one property, you can get depreciation on all your properties. Yes, you can choose, pick and choose which properties you're taking depreciation on. If I have 100 properties, I can go, yeah, I'm going to take depreciation on these 10, but the other 90, I'm not going to. Or I'm going to take depreciation on these 99, but this one, I'm not going to. Or whatever mix of that, okay? Depreciation, you choose which ones you want. Make sense? Your anti-burr video popped up on TikTok. I knew it would. <laughs> yeah, thank you, bro. Yeah, I'm going to be doing, I'm probably going to do about 30 or 40 of those anti-burr videos. I, and it's not that I don't think the burr works. The burr definitely works. But the burr is so much slower and arduous and horrible and nobody can really, everybody can do sub two. Everybody can do seller finance. Everybody, I truly mean that. Everybody can do sub two and everybody can do seller finance. Even from a wholesale standpoint, I can wholesale a sub two. I can assign a sub two to an end buyer. I can do so many things even if I have no money with sub two. You can't do that with burr. People are like, oh yeah, burr, you know, burr is a great way to start. No, dude, are you kidding me? Burr's a horrible way to start, okay? Yo, what up, Jamie? So, um, man, this has been, this has gone by really fast. I forgot to tell you guys that we do have a winner. Does everybody want me to announce the two winners for the Facebook contest? It will cost me personally, um, with the 20,000 lists that have been skip traced and pulled and the virtual assistants, which are the prize, it will cost me a little over $2,000, um, let's see. Kimberly, Pace, I was watching the first half hour, half of your 16 hour marathon. And you had mentioned that you were going to bring on a real estate attorney from Texas and you were going to record it. Yes, Kimberly, I've already done that. I gave that recording to my sub two students. I also met with that, um, attorney again last week. And then this coming week, he's coming in for another two hour Q and a, um, so yeah, my sub two students get access to all that cool, fun stuff. I also have Sub two insurance company. I had uh, the head of Fannie Mae all their writing all their policies. Um, my insurance guy is coming in, and then I also have a spreadsheet developer coming in talking about this new spreadsheet that we're building for analyzing deals. So that's all stuff I'm doing this week in my mentorship, and this is why everybody in my mentorship is just like, oh my gosh, because most of the time when you buy into a mentorship, what are you getting? You're getting um, like six weeks of training and then like a one a week call for like six months. My students get all of that plus special guests, plus access to my transaction coordinator, plus I call their leads, plus my team is running a program called No Excuses. Plus I do 20 to 30 hours a week of training live about any topic, any conversation. And then depending on what my students need that week, I change up the topics and the bonus Zooms. Um, like last week I was traveling and I, we still did a collective amount of Zooms, about 20 hours. So my students can come and pick and choose where they want to join in. It's all recorded so they go back. Then they're part of a community, accountability groups. Like our mentorship is amazing. Our sub two family is amazing. And unfortunately, that 16-hour live that I did, um, that was right when I was launching the 
uh, sub two mentorship. And so all of those recordings ended up going into my mentorship um, that only my students and that family has. Um, tell us what happened with the Fannie meeting, please. Um, the main reason I wanted to meet with the with Fannie Mae is because so many people, it comes up so frequently. What's the, you know, sub two legal? Is this, that? What's the, about the due on sale clause? And I basically asked for this interview for over a year and I was finally granted the interview. And it was just confirmation from my standpoint and then also recording it so that my students could see that um, the head of Fannie Mae also says, yeah, this is perfectly legal. We see it as legal. You know, obviously you have to run the risk of the due on sale clause if the bank decides to call the note due. But outside of that, everything you guys are doing is perfectly legal. And hearing that over the course of an hour and a half and the philosophy of Fannie Mae, that was the purpose of the meeting. It was an it was amazing, amazing interview. Um, and that person is going to end up coming into the sub two mentorship probably in the next couple of weeks to do a live Q and A as well. Um, thank you guys, appreciate it. All my students, you can see who my students right are right. Also, what's interesting is um, with the mentorship, most mentorships that I I'm part of are like they have a limit, right? And I had this dude reached out to me just a couple of weeks ago on Instagram. And he was like, hey, I paid this guy $30,000 for a mentorship. And now I finally got my first deal. And I went back to him for help. And he said, I'm sorry, our time has ended. Your mentorship is over. <laughs> I was so blown away that somebody would take 30 grand from somebody. So, so blown away that they would take 30 grand from them and then leave them in the dust and literally not even reply to them, like delete them from the phone, not, not reply to them type of thing. Our mentorship is for life. That is probably the coolest thing about this. So in like five years, two years, two months, six months, all that, all that my students will get access to all my new documents, my new strategies. If the market changes, guess what? My teaching changes. So you're not stuck building your business model learn from a mentor that you learned from six months ago, but now the market's changed. So his tactics change. You learn in my mentorship, everything I'm doing, where am I spending my money? What, what is my team doing? How are we getting leads? How are we converting leads? If the market changes, which it's going to change in 2021, guess what? Some of the stuff I'm going to talk about is going to change. The laws are going to change, right? So if you're in a mentorship that gives you lifelong access, you also meet, look at Tristan. One of my Airbnbs I own are because of Tristan. He got his first sub two deal in my mentorship. And um, he, so I, I, I paid him to assign that deal to me. It's an Airbnb that we're getting furnished right now. And by the way, Tristan lives in his own sub two home. So like, think about how life-changing that is. Think about how life-changing this mentorship is, is that you can learn. Rashida is the name of the seller that Tristan got up or got his first contract on. Saves this lady's credit gets paid an assignment fee. I come in, fund it, buy the deal, turn it into an Airbnb. Then um, Tristan gets his first deal, which hadn't gotten his first sub two deal, or I'm sorry, hadn't gotten his first wholesale deal. I think he'd paid for mentorships with other people. His first deal was a creative finance deal. His first deal was an assignment of a subject two. Then shortly thereafter, Tristan buys another house, but decides to move into it brings his girls down to closer where do they want to go to school. His it, it, like life changing stuff. Creative financing is life changing when you understand these stories.
So just something to, to think about is when you are joining any mentorship, any mentorship of, uh, at all, think about that. Think about like, I know it's exciting signing up for a mentorship, but I've got students that are in my mentorship six months that are still to this day saying, this is the most amazing mentorship ever. The, the fizzle doesn't wear off because it, it's real, right? It's not just some, here's three videos this week and that's all you get. It's a, it's a community. It's a family. It's, um, it's a freaking lifestyle. It's crazy. So anyway, just think about that. If you guys are ever joining somebody else's mentorship. Um, oh, Noah Hoffman, by the way, um, Noah Hoffman is, um, managing my face or my, my Airbnbs, by the way. So that's cool. If anyone needs help, please feel free to reach out. Pace literally taught us real estate and helping others. Yes, guys. I, if you're in here, we've got 325 people kind of floating around 325 people. I'd say 150 of the people in here are my sub two students already. There's 200 people in here that are not students of mine. You guys really need to be reaching out to my students in these markets and get local help. You don't need to join my mentorship to learn stuff. Okay. Thank you so much, Gain City. Appreciate that a lot. Um, so I think it's time for us to announce some winners. What do you guys think? Any who who wants to for me to announce the winners? Anybody? Pretty dope little giveaway, though, don't you think, guys? Who does not know what the giveaway is? Uh, Barraquette says, I have a seller who wants to do a sub two. Does the property um, is under her mom name? Does she need to go through probate? Is her mom dead? If her mom's dead, the answer is yes. She needs to go through probate. If her mom's not dead, then the answer is no. Um, all right. Let's see. Eva, Eva Mims. I don't know if it's Eva or Eva. I, I imagine it's Eva, right? I'm, I'm being stupid. It's Eva. Um, I don't, Eva, I don't know how to describe it. Um, I would have my student reach out to one of my students, ask them their experience. Okay. Um, Elvin Green, can you explain your thoughts on new on the new city law in Philadelphia about cracking down on wholesale? Yeah, I, I knew it's going to happen everywhere. It's going to happen in Phoenix. It's going to happen in ev all, the whole country, guys. It, it's going to happen. It's very easy how to overcome it. Get your real estate license. I, I was thinking about going and getting my license in January just to show people how easy it is to get a real estate license. People think it's so hard. Are you, it is so absolutely easy to become a licensed real estate agent. I went and got my license. I went and got my license eight years ago, never hung it with anybody, let it lapse, never used it. Went and got it because I was like, I want to go get educated. I want to learn real estate. And then you go to a real estate school and you learn nothing about real estate. It is the, it's like, oh, how to plot a map, how to do this. It's like everything that you'll never use. It's almost like, and I'm sure anybody that's actually gone to real estate school will agree with me. It is absolutely bonkers. They don't teach you how to comp. They don't teach you how to take care of clients. They don't teach you how to run a business. They don't teach you how to, you know, raise capital. You don't learn anything in real, real estate school. Go get the stupid piece of paper. 
go get the stupid piece of paper. Are you a business professional or not? My feeling is if they, if they say, Hey, you have to be licensed to wholesale. Great. I'll do it. I, it doesn't matter to us. We make enough money that that's just a cost of doing business. Right. Does anybody disagree with that? So Emmanuel uh, Spence, I, again, this, I, I, I try not to do a whole spiel, but on my mentorship, but I'm, I'll put it in the side chat, the link. It's up on the screen. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's let, it's 8.30. So typically we end, but now I'm going to announce the two winners. Let's do that. And I was going to say, I was going to say, hey, let's um, make it so they have to be here. They have to be here and present to to claim the prize. But that's kind of messed up. It's late on Sunday night. Not a lot of people. Okay, um, let's pull it up. Do a little share, a little screen share here. There it is. Let me remove that. You guys can't. That's so funny. You can barely see the names right there at the bottom. There's the two winners right here. Mohan Karki and Christian Hernandez. These are the two winners of the contest. They are going to get a virtual assistant from vahub.com. That's who we use for our all of our virtual assistants. And um, you can choose, at, what's cool about vahub.com is that you can have the VA either text for you all day long or cold call for you all day long or do half and half. So if you're like, and, I, and I'm also giving you a list of 10,000 leads. So, oh, wow, there's my, look at my wife. Everybody say hi to my wife, Laura. She's going to be doing a lot more TikTok. If you guys are not following my wife on TikTok, she's going to be doing this really cool um, thing where she goes to million-dollar properties in every city that her and I visit together. And her and I have traveled. I Man, I wish she did it, and I wish she had the idea. You know, that's welcome to life. You come up with cool ideas after the fact. But um, my wife came up with the idea after we traveled to like 35 cool cities that she's going to go to every city and show you what a million dollar property looks like on TikTok. So um, I, I love that idea. Super cool. Um, all right. So is Christian Hernandez, dude, Jamar, Laura, I don't know if you follow Jamari, but he's a, he's a good dude. Um, he DM me about your um, viral TikTok, your million view TikTok. That was pretty cool. Um, okay. So where is Christian Hernandez in here or is Mohan Karki in here? No. Okay. Well, I guess we'll have to, we'll have to, to I'll take a screenshot. Can everybody take a screenshot for me and see if you can tag Christian Hernandez and Mohan Karki in the Facebook group? Can everybody do that for me? Can everybody do me a favor tonight? Who got value tonight, by the way? Who got value tonight? An hour and a half 
just answering questions, deep diving in some stuff. Who got value tonight? And um, if you guys want me to deep dive on something next week, oh, there he is, Christian, my guy. Congratulations, Christian. Super excited for you. I'll put you in touch with Matt Beard over at VA Hub. We'll get you guys lined up, get you going on that. We'll give you 10,000 leads and a VA. So your VA is going to call those leads and um, get your business cranking, man. There's no, there's no better way. Like for us, VA Hub is the, is the best way to go. For you to have a, a VA that's trained the same way that our VAs are trained is pretty awesome. Um, all right. Awesome. Looks like we got a ton of people that got value tonight. Can you guys do me a favor? Go to the Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group. We've got right under 300 people um, watching right now. Go to the Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group and make a post in there and just let everybody know Christian and um, Mohan won the contest and that they're getting a VA. I want everybody to know that this these contests that we do are real. I want more participation in the future. Is this going to cost me probably $2,500 out of my pocket to give to Christian and Mohan as a giveaway to invite and grow this community? Don't we all want more people to work with? Don't we all want more like-minded people in this Facebook group? Don't we want to grow this community? I want this Facebook group to be huge. I want everybody to be so proud that they're in this Facebook group. Um, so I want everybody to know in the Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group that any contest that we do is absolutely real and we do exactly what we say we do. So if you guys want me to continue to do that and you guys want me to do more contests, by the way, guys, we are, who knows what the first deal giveaway is? Anybody not, who does not know what the first deal giveaway is? The first deal giveaway is a contest that we ran where we gave away a partnership on a fix and flip with my partner, Cody, and myself. We already gave it away. We, this is what we promised. We said, we will find the lead. We will record and convert the lead. Record meaning record myself closing that seller, which I did. And I've shared that in the group multiple times. So I closed the seller. We funded the transaction. We ran the construction. My wife, Laura, listed the property. We literally did all of that. And we split the profits with the lucky winner. The winner of that contest literally gave me no money. I have nothing. They never paid me anything for this contest. They got everything free. It was a giveaway. They're going to make close to $21,000. And they were in my Slack channel watching and learning exactly how my team fix and flips properties. Guys, that is the dopest giveaway of all time. Everybody out there trying to give out iPhones and iPads and $500 giveaways to build their community, like we're giving away education, partnerships, and real chunks of money to people to build our community. So um, why I wanted to bring this up, why I wanted to bring this up is because we are going to do another first deal giveaway announcement and that is going to start here in december is anybody excited about the first deal giveaway our first deal giveaway winner won twenty one thousand dollars and a partnership with us my wife lee uh laura you can see her down here uh, below laura um runs she so she's our 
listing agent. She's amazing. She's also helping Tristan. So if you guys need help with any listing stuff in Phoenix, my wife is the shit. But my wife was helping Keen, the first deal giveaway um, person, understand the winner, understand what we were doing. And Anna was helping and Jeff was helping and, and Cody was helping. You're in a true partnership with me in the first deal giveaway. Okay. You're in a first, a real, real, real partnership with us. Yes. Keen McFoy Vinson won the first deal giveaway. So we are going to do another first deal giveaway in December. And uh, the money's cool though, Kale. The money is way, way cool. Yeah, uh, Darren, my wife and I are building out some stuff, um, adding to the mentorship. Dave, oh my gosh, you're so right. Anyway, guys, here's what I want you guys to do. Um, go back to the Facebook group tonight, announce the winners, let everybody know. And then next week, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you guys how to underwrite a creative finance deal. Okay, next week, Sunday service is all gonna, is going to be about how to underwrite or how to verify a creative finance deal. Okay. Can you guys go back to the creative finance Facebook group and let everybody know, make a post and say, next week, Pace is going to underwrite deals for us live for an hour and a half. Okay. Liz says, is it possible to do the first deal giveaway if you don't live in Arizona? Yes. Keen, the winner, lives in freaking New York City. Yes, it's nationwide. You can be in my partnership with me for a fix and flip if you don't live in Arizona. In fact, I prefer it not to be somebody in Arizona. Okay. I don't want somebody in Arizona. The reason why is because we do so many free pop-ups here. We help so many people here locally. My students get to go, they, they're welcome to go do ride-alongs with Anna. They're welcome to come to my office. Like I give a lot already to my local Arizona people. I want it to be an outside of the state winner. Okay. I want it to be an outside of the state winner just because of that exact reason. Okay. Eva says, when I saw Sunday service, I thought this will be church. Yep. Every, I say that, that people say that all the time. Guy Downs, how did, bro, where have you been? Did you just tune in? Guys, let Guy Downs, look at his comment on the screen. How, you guys give him the answer. Guy Downs. Uh, no, you don't have to be a student to join our Facebook group. We have two Facebook groups. We have one that is specifically for students that is a sub two student um, Facebook group. It's private. You won't even be able to find it. It's invite only. And you have to be a student. Two, we have Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group. We have 16,000 members in there. Okay. Sixteen thousand members in there. Guy Downs, pay attention to this, bro, because you must have missed this. Yes, we are doing another first deal giveaway. We are announcing it in December, which is next week. Toriano Henry's. I'm new to creative finance, but I'm assuming that I shouldn't buy a house for the for my family the tra traditional way after learning this. Nope. 
Everybody on my team, everybody on my staff lives in their own sub two home or seller finance home. Okay. I would love to say hello to you, Facebook user, but it said you, it says, uh, it doesn't show your name. So I'm so sorry. Brad Young, Sunday service is like church. Pace is saving our future. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate that. Um, the reason I do Sunday service and the way I named it that is because, um, you know, there was a day when I'd say a year, a little over a year ago, we weren't calling, we didn't call it Sunday service. We called it, we just, it was just Pace and Cody go live, you know, and we would answer questions for people. Maybe it was about a year and a half ago. And Cody was like, man, I really don't want to do this on Sunday. And I said, bro, Sunday's the day it needs to be done. We need to start people's week off right or end their week right, however they want to see it. And it's our job to, to provide service to them. And then I realized that Kanye West also does Sunday service. I'm a huge fan of Kanye West. And so I said, you know what? We're going to call the podcast. We're going to call the show Sunday service. And so, yes, I get a lot of people who are like, oh, it's a, it's a financial, or I'm sorry, it's a church thing. No, guys, it's not church. I mean, it's a creative finance church for sure. But um, anyway, appreciate you guys so much. Um, this was a great Sunday service. I had a lot of fun. We hit 325 viewers tonight. I really appreciate you guys coming in. If you guys got value, do one of three things for me, please. Go to the Facebook group. The more posts, the better, because the way the algorithm works, not everybody sees um, the post. Like if one person makes a post, not everybody's going to see it. So if you make multiple posts, please, one of three posts I would love. One, what was the number one thing you took away from tonight? Two, let everybody know that next week let everybody know next week we will be doing underwriting live on Sunday service. And then number three, I would love for you guys to know, I would love for you guys to congratulate Christian Hernandez and the other winner in the Facebook group so that everybody knows that as we're building this community, we really do what we say we're doing. Okay. I appreciate all of you guys so much. Thank you for tuning